The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Wednesday edition of PFTPM. It's not Wednesday, it's Tuesday. Got to get my day straight. Got to get my facts straight. Got to get my hour straight. Got to get myself straight. Peel back the curtain. Hello, Shereen. Let me tell you my story. You know how I like to try to work out in the late afternoon just before the show. I find it invigorating. I like to get it done before dinner. It's one of the boxes I check. It's one of my habits. It's one of my rituals. Five minutes to Wapner is the way that it goes. So today I'm on the bike and I'm minding my own business and I'm doing my thing. I play a little Madden. I, I, you can bring, bring that to me. We're multitasking here. I need my laptop. I, uh, thank you very much, dear. I, uh, <laughs> this is what we're doing today. So anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my thing, and I'm playing Madden, and I get a text from my son saying, did you see this Flores thing? And it's like, what Flores thing? And so I checked my phone. I hadn't checked my phone because nothing ever happens late afternoon. Nothing ever happens late afternoon. I mean, nothing. rarely. Well, today, definitely. And I had like 50 text messages, and I started to catch up, and I have been in the process of catching up in the past 20 minutes or so, and... Uh, today is unprecedented. Today is historic. And and that is not hyperbole because a lawsuit filed against the NFL by a current head coach alleging racial bias, racially discriminatory practices. That is the thing the NFL never thought that it would get. And that is the thing, if anything, that will spur change. There's a passage in Playmakers, and this is not a gratuitous plug. There is a tie here. It comes out March 15. There's a passage in Playmakers that points out the NFL is never going to change until it faces the credible threat of litigation or actual litigation, and they believe they'll never face it because, and we'll be talking about this over the course of the show, Brian Flores has basically traded in his career with the NFL for this one shot, this very big shot at standing up on behalf of all coaches who have been wronged over the years, all coaches who have been passed over illegally in violation of federal civil rights laws and other applicable laws and is is taking this stand and i'll be stunned if he ever coaches again in the nfl maybe he will maybe he will maybe maybe that'll be part of the reaction maybe somebody will hire him this week to try to take some of the steam out of this i don't want to be overly cynical but we saw what they did with colin kaepernick you take them on yeah. and they come after you and i think their knee-jerk reaction is going to be to come after brian flores but this is amazing. It's astounding. We're going to be breaking it down over the course of the next hour and trying to make it understandable. But the mere fact the NFL is facing this litigation is something the NFL never thought it would have to endure. Never in a million years, Mike, did I think we'd be talking about anything but Tom Brady leading off this show. But this is historic. It does change everything 
for the NFL, where 70% of its players are estimated to be black. And right now, there is one black head coach. I am a little stunned that he would file this lawsuit before the Saints and Texans have filled their coaching vacancies. The Dolphins haven't either, but obviously he's not getting that job since he was fired from that job. So he must believe that he wasn't going to get those jobs anyway. And, Mike, to me, this puts pressure on those three teams, despite the Texans and the Dolphins having had black head coaches that they fired. But to me, it puts pressure on them right now and maybe changes the way they're going to think through this whole thing. I don't know, but they certainly, to me, seem like they would be under pressure to, to hire a black head coach right now. Court of law, it's not going to matter. If I'm representing Brian Flores, I'm going to say this is all window dressing. This is all smokescreen. This is getting your hand caught at the bottom of the cookie jar and yanking your hand out. That's what my response would be. It's meaningless at this point. You've had years. You've had decades to do the right thing. No and the question. fact that they would move as quickly as they would to, say, fill half of the remaining vacancies. Well, there's five, so it would have to be at least three of the remaining vacancies with blackhead coaches would be an obvious pivot away from the way things were going to go. So ideally, ideally, you wait for these final five jobs to be filled, ideally. But I don't think anything really matters at this point. And, and maybe by doing it, maybe in a weird sort of way, he's doing a service for one or two or three blackhead coaches who will get hired now because from a PR perspective, court of public opinion perspective, this is where the NFL may need to act. It will be meaningless in a court of law. It will have great meaning in the court of public opinion, and it will go a long way toward creating the sense that these allegations are being taken seriously or there's nothing to it. Look, two, three black coaches ended up being hired in this cycle, and and that's the way that the PR mindset operates sometimes. It's at a very basic, unnuanced level. So he, he could be doing a favor for some of the coaches out there who have been trying to get hired, who just can't. Yeah, no question about it, Mike. And and when you look at the vacancies that are out there, they almost seem like we know who's going to get those. Those teams just haven't decided on that. And that was part of his lawsuit, was was the Giants part of it. He knew three days, or thought he knew three days before that job, before his interview for that job, that, that they'd already filled the vacancy because of an errant text by Bill Belichick. So he must have felt also that he wasn't a, a strong or the candidate in Houston or the candidate in New Orleans for this thing. And so he acted for every black head coach out there that has been passed over for these jobs. And this probably will be the one thing that changes everything, Mike. The Rooney Rule, they've, as much as they've tweaked it, they did it again this year. As much as they've tweaked it, it's been the same old, same old this hiring cycle. We've seen nothing new as far as the coaching hires go. We've seen a little bit more in the GM hires, but nothing in the coaching hires to say that these changes have made any inroads at all on teams hiring black head coaches. And this will do it. This is the one thing, I think, that will change minds around the league, that they will have to look at this seriously and really evaluate how they're hiring head coaches. And apart from the knee-jerk Kaepernick-style reaction that the league will have, how dare you sue us? How dare you do that? And there are people out there who actually think it's okay to retaliate against someone who has dared 
to advance his or her rights in a court of law. You're protected against retaliation. It's improper to retaliate. And if it were happening to you, your loved one, child, spouse, brother, cousin, aunt, uncle, nephew, niece, whoever, you would be livid about it. You can't take action against someone. You can't slam the door in someone's face because they dared to exercise their legal rights. It has a chilling effect on people doing what is right. But it'll happen. And another thing that will hurt Brian Flores, the fact that he breached the sacred trust. He violated the code. He got text messages from Bill Belichick. Are you kidding me? The greatest coach in NFL history, a close friend of Brian Flores, the mentor of Brian Flores, and he's going public with these? Unless Bill Belichick knew about it and said, okay, Brian Flores has a problem. And from the standpoint of who will trust him going forward under any set of circumstances. And this is, I'm not saying this is right. This is human nature type stuff. You can't send him a text message. You can't say anything to him because he's shown that, that when it suits his interests, he will say something about it. Now, now what he's doing here, and he invokes some of the great civil rights leaders of the past. And I know that some people will say, Oh, who does he think he is? Look, look, He's trading in his career as an NFL head coach. There's a chance he's not. But he has to go into this process. When he authorizes the filing of that complaint, Shireen, he is assuming a very real risk that he will never coach again in the National Football League. And that is a sacrifice. That is a major sacrifice sacrifices he's made here's his statement god has gifted me with a special talent to coach the game of football but the need for change is bigger than my personal goals in making the decision to file the class action complaint i understand that i may be risking coaching the game i love and has done so much for my family and me my sincere hope is that by standing up against systemic racism in the nfl others will join me to ensure that positive change is made for generations to come and i'm here to say i stand with brian flores there is systemic racism in the nfl when it comes to the hiring of coaches it's there All you have to do is look at the history of hiring. It can't be that you flip a coin that many times and it comes up white coach. It's impossible. The odds are impossible. I've said this all along. Somebody was texting me. Here, let me, let me, uh, I'm not going to tell you who texted me. Just not that it's anything controversial. Somebody asked me that the details in the complaint are salacious, but is there something there with legal teeth? My response is the case was won the moment it was filed. Here's why. And I've been saying this for years. I think I have. I think I I don't know. I think so. I've probably said it at least once or twice. The evidence is hiding in plain sight. The evidence is every hire that has been made for the past 50 years in the National Football League. Statistically, you can't defend it. Statistically, it's impossible. Statistically, You will have won Powerball multiple times over to have that many coaches, white, 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 white. Think about it. Start flipping coins. Heads is white, tails is black. How many come up heads and how many come up tails? I mean, I don't want to oversimplify it, but that's as simple as it gets. Statistically, I mean, he doesn't need smoking guns. He doesn't need salacious text messages. He doesn't need allegations of the likes that are lurking in the complaint. All he needs to say is, here's every head coaching hire that's been made for the last 50 years, and here's check white, one corner, check black, the other corner, and it's going to be obvious once we see all those numbers in front of us 
in stark, undeniable, factual truth, Shireen. Yeah, I mean, you just point to Mike Tomlin right now. He's the the lone guy left, a blackhead coach in this league after uh, with five openings still left. But after the firings that we've had and the hirings that we've had, we're left with one, and that's just not good enough. Again, with the, in a league that is seventy percent black players, you just can't have that. And you're right, it, there is racism because there would be more blackhead coaches. And don't tell me there's none that are qualified. We all know they are. Mike Tomlin's been one of the most successful head coaches coaches in this league. I would argue that Brian Flores was one of the best candidates in this cycle after the Dolphins hired him. But yet he's probably, well, now he's not going to get a job, but he probably wasn't going to get one before this lawsuit anyway, which is why he filed the lawsuit. But there are just so many teams and so many people in this lawsuit that just come off looking really, really bad, Mike. Probably staying Remember, forever. these are allegations. The Giants, the Broncos, Remember. the Dolphins. Allegations. Right. Remember, but allegations. Pe- people... People are gonna remember. People are gonna remember this, Mike. They're not gonna remember what how it all plays out. They're gonna read this and they're gonna say, "Man, they they can't come off looking bad in all of this." And, and they and they do. All these teams come off looking bad, but you can look at all thirty-two teams, and that's who he names. All thirty-two teams in this league, which is what it needs to be, because none of these teams have done right by the Rooney Rule. I would argue, except for possibly the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have had Mike Tomlin employed forever and a day. And it is a class action, meaning that he represents both himself and all similarly situated individuals, other black coaches who have been the victim of systemic racism through the hiring practices of the National Football League over whatever period of time would fall within the applicable statute of limitations. I haven't researched that. A continuing violation potentially delays the running of the statute. It would be normally a two-year thing. There may be, and, and more years will be relevant to proving it. The question is, how many years do you go back in determining how many individuals potentially fall within the class? That's going to be the key. Does it go back 50 years? Is it an unbroken chain? You could argue that it is. And and remember, the Rooney Rule was adopted 20 years ago because of the threat of litigation from the late Johnny Cochran and Cyrus Mary. They were going to find someone to file the lawsuit. I thought they were going to have a hard time doing it, but that's what they were going to do. And here comes Brian Flores, and he does it. And the fact that this thing is so long and detailed, it's, it, it tells me that probably the moment he was fired, he began looking for a lawyer while also searching for a job, looking for a lawyer to take this on. You don't put a, a lawsuit like this together overnight. This doesn't happen when Brian Dayball gets hired on Friday night by the Giants. This is something that has been brewing for a while at least since the day that he was fired, and possibly before that. This is possibly something he's been thinking about in the event he ever is fired. Maybe he sensed it was coming from the Dolphins. Who knows? But this really is stunning. We mentioned the Belichick situation. This comes from an allegation by Brian Flores that his interview with the Giants was a sham, that Bill Belichick let him know ahead of time via the accidental text message that Brian Dayball was getting the job with the Giants before Brian Flores was ever even interviewed. And, and what a shock. Look, someone told me before this hiring cycle started, 70 to 80% of the owners, when hiring a new coach, they know who that coach is going to be the moment they fire the one that they had just fired. 78 to 80% of the time. And the irony, and I never know if that word's being used correctly, this cycle did not have that predetermination, that 
that knowledge of who the guy was going to be when the dust settled on the hiring process. But, but still, that's how it works. And with the Giants, at some point before they interviewed Brian Flores, according to the allegation, they knew they were hiring Brian Dable. I don't think they knew they were hiring Dable when they fired Joe Judge. But at some point after that, and before interviewing Flores, they settled on Brian Dable. So this really is amazing. What I've done is I've sent a text to the NFL seeking comment haven't gotten a response. I asked Stacey James, the Patriots PR director, I need a comment on the Flores lawsuit if you have one. He said I wouldn't anticipate one. I sent one to Patrick Smythe, the Broncos PR director. Just let me know if you have a comment on the Flores allegations. And he said, of course, I, I, we need to see if the Dolphins have any response. But, but the, the, the Giants are the ones that do have a response. Do we have the Giants response? We do have a Giants statement on Flores. We are pleased and confident with the process that resulted in the hiring of Brian Dayball. We interviewed an impressive and diverse group of candidates. The fact of the matter is Brian Flores was in the conversation to be our head coach until the 11th hour. Unfortunately, we hired the individual we felt was most qualified to be our next head coach. Now, look, that is not a surprising statement. That's what they're going to say. No one ever comes out and says, you caught us. That's the challenge of handling cases like this. I handled cases like this. You put people on the witness stand, and, you know, it's funny because— what you'll get is this suggestion that, well, are you, are you really saying, Counselor, that all of these people would come into court and lie under oath? The reality is the lie gets told long before they go to court. The lie gets told when they come up with their story when no one's under oath and they lock into it. They're never going to admit to it. That's why you have to prove these cases very delicately with circumstantial evidence. You have to catch people in inconsistent stories. You have to show that they're not telling the truth when they're trying to tell a consistent and cohesive lie. You have to show that there was someone who isn't in the protected class who was treated differently than the person in the protected class, whether it's race, age, religion, any type of of gender discrimination, sexual harassment, any type of different treatment based upon different characteristics. And it's tough. It's difficult. I did it for a long time. And it is a fight because they are never going to admit to it. I guarantee you one thing. The last thing we're going to have from the NFL is a statement that reads like this. Oops, sorry, we made a mess and now we're going to clean it up. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And I'll be interested to see, Shereen, whether or not there is an owner who is willing to buck the league and say, I'm hiring Brian Flores. I don't think it's going to happen. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. We assume the Saints aren't in play. I wouldn't assume that Gail Benson. I wouldn't assume that Gail Benson is going to slam that door after the way that she believes and the Saints believe they've been screwed by the league dating back to Bountygate. This is the perfect opportunity for her to stick it to the league. Now the problem is the concern is the league will find a way to stick it to the Saints going forward. But she's one along with Mark Davis. Those are the two that would stand out to me as the ones inclined at least to ponder the possibility of hiring Flores to stick it to the league and to be able to say, we're doing the right thing. Well, and I also would look toward the Texans if there's going to be a team to do it with their ties to the Patriots and their ties to Brian Flores. But I think all signs probably point to Josh McCown. But if they're going to go the Patriots way, maybe that is a team that you look to hire Brian Flores. Now, if I'm Brian Flores, I'm not even sure I take that job. But if you want to get back in the lead and have your lawsuit, too, that might be a way to do it. But Mike, the most interesting thing to me in this lawsuit, and of course we haven't had time to digest all of it, but he found out from 
from Bill Belichick by mistake, who was trying to text Brian Dable that congratulations on getting the Giants job, and it goes through the whole thing, and he finally figures out it's Brian Flores that he's talking to. That was three days before Flores' interview. And during that interview, Flores alleges that one of the front office uh, guys in the Giants organization says, hey, maybe we can even get Brian Dable as your offensive coordinator because he doesn't like Sean McDermott. So he might be willing to come as your offensive coordinator. So that was laughable to me that they had already made this decision based on uh, Brian Flores' allegations, and yet they're telling him who his offensive coordinator might be. But let's spin this thing forward, Mike. You're the lawyer. I want to know, like, how long the, does this play out, and does the NFL end up settling this lawsuit with its teams for Brian Flores, and how does this change the Rooney Rule? What, what, what happens now? Well, chaos, basically, behind the scenes. They have to figure <laughs> out exactly. Seriously, they have to figure out how they're going to deal with this, and the lawyers from these white shoe firms, these big corporate firms, they are programmed to fight. They are programmed to work the file. They are programmed to do whatever they can to bill and bill and bill. I, I worked for a firm like that. I worked for Jones Day right out of law school. They love nothing more than what they call, and I was in the meetings when they used this term. I'll never forget this term, a cost-insensitive client. You want somebody who is the tiger who has been gotten by the tail and is not going to ever question how big the invoice is every month. And you can put a team of lawyers on it and they can milk that cow and milk that cow. And that is how they make their money. And that's why they are going to fight because the NFL is going to be inclined to fight. Everybody who gets sued, the first inclination is screw you. You're wrong. We're right. How dare you? How dare you accuse? How how dare you accuse us? We are Big Shield. We are the NFL. We do everything the right way. Hey, 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 we better make sure we got our ducks in a row. We do everything the right way. That's, that's the mindset. And the law firms will stoke that. And they will fight. And they will fight. And they will fight. And they will spend money. And they will never admit. Never admit. And they will appeal to the highest court in the land. They haven't learned their lesson post-St. Louis litigation. They went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court to try to force that case into arbitration. They will fight, and they will fight, and they will fight, and they'll never admit. You can't admit. You can't admit. Even if you're guilty, you can't admit it. They won't admit it. It'll be interesting to see what they do. But, you know, the, 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 best, the best thing to do would be to settle it today. Now, your white shoe law yeah. firm isn't going to be able to make the money to buy more white shoes. I don't know why they call it a white shoe law firm, but they do. But, but, you know, they're leaving a lot of money in the file if they settle it today. But, hey, NFL, you want some free advice from the recovering lawyer who knows a thing or two about how you do business because he's been paying close attention to it for the last 20 years? I'd settle that lawsuit today. I would sit down with Brian Flores and I'd say, what do you want? You want a team? You want a t- what do you want? How much? You tell us what you want. We got it. We got it. We got it. Because, number one, it's the right thing to do. But, number two, they are caught. They are busted. It is over. And, and here's, here's the other side of it, too. And this is where I feel bad for Brian Flores. What they will now do is they will dig into every nook and cranny of Brian Flores' life, looking for anything they can use to discredit him, to make him look bad, to make, make him look like a liar, to make him look untrustworthy, to make him look in any way other than someone who is standing up for truth and justice and fighting against the systemic racism that has occurred in the NFL for years as evidenced by all the hires that have been made by the teams over the years. So I'd settle it tonight if I was the NFL. They won't. 
but I would settle this case tonight. Well, here's another question, Mike. Say you're the lawyers for Brian Flores. Do you go out and try to get Eric Bieniemy and some other guys to join this lawsuit who have been passed up for these jobs at this point and make it a class action lawsuit against the NFL? Well, it is a class action. Now, it's a class action to the extent that Brian Flores is representing all similarly situated individuals. They don't have to be okay. named. I think he's hoping, based upon his statement, that others will join him in this cause that others will step up and say, you can't do this. And, and frankly, frankly, there's a lot of ways this can go. The NFL has assumed that no one would ever do this because the, the simplest explanation is anyone who does it is trading in his career. He's going to be ostracized. He's going to be treated like Colin Kaepernick. He's, and, and we're going to start hearing certain people say he was never a very good coach anyway. He doesn't really want to coach. All the, all the Kaepernick talking points, you just massage them a little bit, and they're going to become Brian Flores talking points. I guarantee you. I guarantee you yeah. there's going to be people in the media who are pushing this crap. And the NFL, So I hope, I hope it doesn't go that way. I hope it doesn't go that way. But if it plays out like Kaepernick, you're going to start hearing you know, all sorts of things. Oh, Brian Flores didn't really want a job. If he really wanted a job, he wouldn't have filed this lawsuit. He'd have gone to work as a defensive coordinator. Or something. You're going to hear that. But uh, yeah. maybe, just maybe, just maybe, he will inspire other black coaches who have been overlooked, who have been passed over. Eric Bieniemy, Raheem Morris. We could put the list together. Maybe he will inspire them to say, I am joining you in this litigation. And, and look, all Brian Flores did was admit to things that he's privy to as somebody who's been in the NFL all these years. You think Eric Bieniemy couldn't tell some stories? You think Raheem Morris couldn't tell some stories? You think some of the other candidates, white or black, couldn't tell some stories? And that's the other side of it, too. It's going to be chaos once people have to testify under oath. This thing, this thing, and again, settle it tonight, because this thing could get very interesting very quickly. And, and, and it's time for the reckoning. It really is. It's time for the NFL to admit it won't. But it really is time for the NFL to admit that over the course of decades, it has failed to engage in proper hiring practices. The Rooney Rule has and, and, and the chapter in Playmakers talks about all the times where people have found a way around. Remember, Matt Millen got fined for failing to comply with it because he knew he was hiring Steve Mariucci in 2003. Jerry Jones hired Bill Parcells with a courtesy telephone call to Dennis Green, and they forced a change of the rules. Daniel Snyder was hiring Mike Shanahan to replace Jim Zorn, and they got around the Rooney Rule in that case by interviewing Jerry Gray from the staff before Zorn was fired. It came out that Jerry Gray was interviewed, so that complied with the Rooney Rule. And then most recently, the Jack Del Rio for John Gruden swap. They, they, they conjured together some compliance with the Rooney Rule after the fact. So uh, the, the evidence is there. The gun's been smoking. The gun's been firing every cycle. The evidence is there. This other stuff just makes it something that will give us fodder for discussion for weeks, if not months, to come, Shereen. 
Yeah, and another one was the Cowboys with Jason Garrett. They had an in-house interview with Ray Sherman, and that was complying with the Rooney rules at the time. But it it was obvious that they were just complying with the rule. They weren't bringing in anybody outside the organization to sit down and have a real conversation because they were going to hire Jason Garrett. And there's just too many examples of this. I mean, you can go to almost every team and point to one that, that it's happened, where they've just complied with the Rooney rule to comply with the Rooney rule and already had in mind who they were going to hire, as you said. Most of the time, when you fire a head coach, you have an idea in your head who you're going to hire, who you want to hire, because if you don't get somebody you consider better, why fire the head coach that you have? So you have somebody in mind. There's no question about that. And most of the time, frankly, as we've seen, that's a white head coach. We've seen white head coaches hired repeatedly over black head coaches year after year after year, as you said, goes back 50 years. But I remember sitting here with you, Mike, when, when Brian Flores was fired, the Dolphins fired him, and we were on here, and we said, oh, he'll have a he'll have a job. He'll get one of these jobs. And here we sit weeks later, and he's not going to get any of these jobs, and I don't think he would have gotten them even before this lawsuit. But here we sit, and we thought he was one of the best candidates in this hiring cycle, and yet he's being passed over for the job. I think he has a great case simply because of that. Remember, I want to – Choose my words carefully here. I'm just floating out an idea that came to me. I'm not suggesting that anyone do anything whatsoever. But I remember after one of the police shootings, the one in Wisconsin that happened summertime of 2020, the NFL was not yet in season, but there was a real conversation about how the players would react specifically to an incident like that happening during football season. At one point, there was talk that maybe players actually wouldn't play in a game as protest of one of these police shootings that killed a black or brown American. I wonder how players are going to react to this. We got one game coming up yeah. in 12 days. I, I, wonder, I wonder what players are going to think of this when they understand what the allegations are, if they take the time. And this is the dead week. This is the time to do a little research if they're so inclined. What are the players going to say, white or black? What are they going to say about this? And, and I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not thinking that any type of a work stoppage for the Super Bowl is even remotely on the radar screen. I don't think that would happen in a million years. But I also didn't think the lawsuit would happen in a million years either. So there's plenty of things that may happen in a million years that I didn't think were ever going to happen in a million years. All I'm saying is we have to factor into this after everything that happened in the summer of 2020, remember that very powerful video that the players put yeah. together that forced Roger Goodell to respond in kind, and there were some questions about whether or not he really did promise to do everything they asked for. Remember all that from June of 2020. I, it's going to be interesting to see what the players think about it. That's all I'm saying for now. And uh, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Because you know what? There's plenty of media availability that will be happening next week in advance of the Super Bowl. Now, I don't know when the players are going. I don't think they're going to be there all week. There's been some talk about that, so it may not right. be a daily thing. But there will still be plenty of Zoom conferences, and, you know, the coaches will have their talking points. We don't, we're, the coaches aren't going to talk about it. But the players, it'll be interesting to see what they have to say. Very interesting to see what they have to say about this, especially as more of these facts come out, more of these allegations come out, and more of this gets digested, Shereen. 
Yeah, and there will be Radio Row, too, so you'll have players from other teams talking about this uh, as the week goes on. And I'll be interested to hear from Dolphins players. What do they think after reading this, reading some of the details in this? What do Dolphins players think? And I'm sure we'll see some social media activity on this, too. So, Stephen Ross, it's going to be interesting how he handles all this. They still have a head coach uh, coaching opening right now. They haven't replaced Brian Flores. So we'll see how that plays out as we go forward, Mike. But there's going to be a lot of things uh, in the next two weeks that, that are going to be focused on this. It's not going to overshadow the Super Bowl, but certainly it's going to be questions during Super Bowl week for these players about the lawsuit. I am reminded of a line near the end of A Few Good Men where Jack Nicholson says to Tom Cruise, yeah. you have messed with the wrong Marine. The NFL has messed with the wrong Marine in Brian Flores. Yeah. He has lit the fuse, and he knows where it's going to go. And it's, it's going to, when it hits the bomb, it's already hitting the bomb. There's a whole line of bombs yeah. that are going to go off in the wake of this. It's a lot to digest. There are some specific allegations we want to focus on in the lawsuit, some of them related to the claim of racial discrimination, others just pretty damn interesting. We'll talk about those when PFTPM continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Have a statement from the National Football League regarding the class action filed earlier today by former Dolphins coach Brian Flores. This is the quote from Brian McCarthy, the NFL spokesperson, which arrived at 5.32 p.m. Eastern in my email box. The NFL and our clubs are deeply committed to ensuring equitable employment practices and continue to make progress in providing equitable opportunities throughout our organizations. Diversity is core to everything we do, and there are few issues on which our clubs and our internal leadership team spend more time. We will defend against these claims, which are without merit. End of quote. In other words, white shoe lawyers start your engines, start billing. Like I said, Shireen, they're not going to admit to anything. They're going to fight, and they're going to fight, and they're going to fight, and they're going to do everything they can to prove that the allegations Brian Flores has made are false. And to that, I say, good luck. Yeah, good luck with all of that, Mike. And as you said, they're going to dig into Brian Flores' past and everything that he's done, and we're going to hear all those talking points that we heard with Colin Kaepernick change player or quarterback to coach, and that's what you're going to hear about Brian Flores. Well, he wasn't really that good anyway. He had a losing record in his three seasons in Miami. Well, I would argue that that Brian Flores was one of the best coaches in this hiring cycle, and frankly, that doesn't even matter at this point because he's filed this. It does go back 50 years, and, and you just point to all those hires that were made that were not black head coaches. And it's many of them, and it's almost every team that that we can find these cases of sham Rooney Rule interviews. And it and it's happened, and it's happened a lot. It's continued to happen even with this Rooney Rule expansion that we've seen over the last, what, five years or so, but particularly into this year we've seen it. 
Yeah, and uh, again, they they keep changing it and expanding it because it continues to fail to generate results. And 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 I remember when it was first enacted, the pushback was, well, you can't tell employers who to hire. Well, they're not telling employers who to hire. They're not. They're urging them, they're requiring them to engage in practices that are more fair and more conducive to diversity in the hiring practices. That the proof is in the pudding. That's the reality. Whatever practices you use, they're not resulting in successfully diverse hiring practices because the NFL 70% black players, there's a lower percentage of black assistant coaches, but the percentage of black assistant coaches is still much higher than the percentage of black head coaches. And that that's what the core of this is ultimately going to be from Brian Flores. The argument is going to be put very simply that they don't think we are smart enough. They don't think we are good enough. They don't think we will work hard enough to be as successful as white head coaches would be, period. When you get to the best of the best, the best of the best are going to be white, not black. That's the attitude that Brian Flores is going to be uniquely positioned to share. And he will be a compelling witness when he talks about everything that he's seen during his time in the NFL. Another point, too. This is a quote from the lawsuit. Even when black candidates get hired for head coaching positions, a rarity, they are discriminated against in connection with the terms and conditions of their employment and compensation and terminated even as far less successful white head coaches are retained. There's an important point there, which is going to to do something else that the NFL will not be happy about when it finally occurs, but barring a quick settlement, it's going to happen. They're going to get to the bottom of who gets paid what and how they get paid. Because as I've said for a long time, the best coaches don't just get paid by the team. The best coaches get money from other sources, and that keeps down the younger coaches and and maybe the non-white coaches. We'll, We'll see. We'll see. But the argument isn't going to be just that not enough black coaches are hired. The argument's going to be they don't get paid as much as their peers. They're held to a higher standard. Think of Jim Caldwell. Think, think of what Jim Caldwell did in Detroit. Another good one. Three out of four winning seasons, two playoff appearances, got fired. Now, he got fired because Bob Quinn wanted to hire Matt Patricia, but he never gave Jim Caldwell a fair chance. He wanted, he wanted to hire Matt Patricia. And now Caldwell can't get a sniff. He, he got an interview with the Jaguars. He got an interview with the Bears, but he's not a serious candidate. Um, it, it really is amazing. Uh, but the evidence, as I said, speaks for itself. And it's not just who gets hired. It's what they get paid, how they get treated, the standard they are held to. And, and so much of that evidence is going to be objective, not subjective, not he said, she said type disputes. That person said this. No, I didn't. That's how you prove most of these discrimination cases. This is all going to be, look at the numbers. Look at what people are getting paid. Look at their win-loss records before somebody gets fired. 
And uh, the lawyers are going to put together a tapestry of evidence that's going to make it very, very, very difficult for the NFL to win this thing. They can, they can claim it's without merit all they want. That's what they have to do. It's going to be very difficult for them to win it. And, Mike, we have a Dolphin statement now. We are aware of the lawsuit through the media reports that came out this afternoon. We vehemently deny any allegations of racial discrimination and are proud of the diversity and inclusion throughout our organization, the implication that we acted in a manner inconsistent when the integrity of the game is incorrect. We will be withholding further comment on the lawsuit at this time. Yeah, hey, uh, look, and that's what anybody that makes a statement is going to make that same that same statement. Yeah. And the, the other twist here, which really is amazing to me, and this this I, I speculated after Brian Flores was fired that his relationship with Stephen Ross first went off the rails in 2019 when Ross wanted to tank. Yeah, and, and I've. I don't want to make myself a witness. <laughs> you know, I don't care. If I get called to testify, <laughs> I'll testify truthfully. But I was I was present when a quote along the lines of "Sometimes you have to take your lumps" was uttered, and it made me think: This guy wants to he wants to lose in 2019 yeah. so he can win in the future, so he can get Tua. At the time, it was tank for Tua. At the time, that's what that's what I thought it was pointing to. Well, by the end of the 2019 season, Stephen Ross had become enamored with Joe Burrow. But they had abandoned the tank at some point during 2019. Remember how that season started and it was a crap show and Minka Fitzpatrick yeah. wanted to be traded and they were just getting blown off the field. I think they lost 59 to 10 the first weekend of the season of the Baltimore Ravens. So the allegation, one of the allegations contained in the bombshell complaint from Brian Flores is that Stephen Ross offered him $100,000 for each loss in, in 2019. And, and, and look, I doubt that there's any paper trail on that one. But uh, it's one of those allegations that is so outlandish on its surface, you kind of believe it, right? Like, yeah. it, it, like, there's a lot of stuff other than that that Brian Flores could lie about if he's just going to cook up stories. And you're not going to cook up a story that is that outlandish because you need people to believe you. There are other ways you can shade things to get people to believe you. This is a whopper. And it just I, it caught my attention because I kind of think that Ross did want to tank in 2019. And I think one of the reasons he fired Flores is look at how good Joe Burrow is. And we would have had him. Damn it, we would have had him. We thought we could trade up and get him. The Bengals kept hanging up the phone on us. That's been a talking point in recent days. They couldn't get Burrow. They wanted Burrow. And now Burrow's a star, and he's going to the Super Bowl. Damn it, Brian Flores, if you had just done what I want. Who cares what our record was in 2019? 5-11, and 4-12, and 3-13, and 2-14. Who gives a crap? We didn't make it to the playoffs. We weren't a contender. I was willing to take my lumps. Sometimes you just got to take your lumps. I was willing to take my lumps in 2019 to get the guy I wanted. And, yeah, it became Joe Burrow, not Tua, but even better. Even better. The great irony is they got to it and he's not very good. Sorry to and on, but it's true. You got to deal with it. Just like the NFL's got to deal with the truth. So it's just this thing is going to be a tour de force. This thing is going to threaten the NFL in a way that nothing has ever threatened the NFL before. And, and of course, what's going to happen? Motion to dismiss. Motion to compel arbitration, just like they did with John Gruden. I'm sure that's what's going to happen. I hope this thing can survive a motion to compel arbitration. I hope that the language of Brian Flores' contract 
will preserve his ability to pursue a claim for racial discrimination and racial bias in federal court. Uh, Because these things should not be resolved in darkness. These things should not be resolved in secrecy. These things should not be resolved in private the way that the oligarchs and the money interests want it to be done. They never want to take their medicine publicly. They want to do it privately. This is one that needs to play out publicly, Shireen. Yeah, it certainly does, Mike. And your memory's good. 59-10 in that first game of the year. They lost their first seven, then won two. And then the, the problem was where they didn't tank to get the number one overall pick was they won three of their last five games to come out of that with five wins. So they weren't going to get Joe Burrow. We know they tried to trade up to get Joe Burrow, and the Bengals wouldn't even talk to him because they wanted Joe Burrow. And then fast forward, one of the other stories in the lawsuit is so after the 2019 season, Stephen Ross, according to Brian Flores, kind of abandoned the draft thing and said, hey, we want to get this big-name quarterback. The quarterback is not named in, in this lawsuit. It's Tom but Brady. I think we can it's Tom Brady. Yes, who it is. Yep. It's Tom Brady. It's absolutely Tom According Brady. According to uh, Joe so, Shad of the Palm Beach Post, it's Tom Brady. Yeah. So, so uh, Brian Flores kept saying, no, I'm not violating tampering NFL's tampering policy. I'm not doing it. So Stephen Ross invited him onto his yacht for lunch. They go and have lunch on the yacht and he goes oh by the way that big name quarterback I was telling you about is just going to happen to be in the yacht club today so we can meet with him and Brian Flores got up and walked out of the meeting and that supposedly is where their relationship really soured because he didn't tank uh, and then he didn't want to meet with this big time big name quarterback Tom Brady and so Fast forward, here we are with them with Tua, and he sees what Brady did last year winning a Super Bowl with Tampa, Stephen Ross, and he sees what Cincinnati has done this year with Joe Burrow with a chance to win a Super Bowl. So that was kind of the end of the end of Brian Flores in Miami, Mike. I know that the Dolphins were the team that the Patriots most feared Tom Brady was going to go to when he became a free agent. That was the team they thought he was going to. And remember – It was during Super Bowl week in Miami where Stephen Ross came out and said that that uh, he's not going to pursue Tom Brady. Uh, But uh, this confirms if it's true. And again, it's allegations. But specific allegations like that have an inherent credibility to them. And at the end of the day, it's going to be Stephen Ross, comma, oligarch being questioned aggressively and and really rich and powerful people make for bad witnesses. It's one of the reasons why the St. Louis litigation (laughs) settled. It was going to be a Seinfeld finale trial of one owner after another getting destroyed on the witness stand. That's what was going to happen because they don't know. They don't know how to answer questions. They don't know how to submit to the authority of the judge. They don't know how to submit to the authority of the lawyer. It's back to a few good men. They are Colonel Nathan Jessup And the lawyer is Tom Cruise in that scenario. And they they eventually will say something that kills them and they won't realize they've done it. We've got to take a break. We'll continue the conversation. Maybe we'll talk about the thing I thought we were going to spend most of the show talking about. Only something this seismic and historic would have upstaged the retirement of Tom Brady. Maybe we'll say something about Tom Brady when PFTPM continues right after this. (laughs) 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Well, it happened today, and it's amazing because as of last night, Tom Brady said he hasn't made a decision, he's going to take it one day at a time, the decision will come when it comes, and as I said this morning, unless he was visited overnight by the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future all rolled into one, uh, he knew what he was doing. I guess Chris Mad Dog Russo, for whom Mad Dog Radio on Sirius XM is named, was very critical of Sirius getting clowned by this, by the radio show that they pay Tom Brady to do, couldn't get his announcement. Instead, he waited until the next morning to announce it. He clearly knew when he recorded that podcast yesterday that he was retiring today. And yes, it is okay to tug on Superman's cape. It is okay to point out that the emperor may be riding butt naked down the street on a horse. Just because he's Tom Brady doesn't make him immune from any and all questions or criticism. I don't know why he didn't just tell the truth or just cancel the Let's Go podcast. Here's a refund. You don't have to pay me for this week. We're going to do it Tuesday. Can we do it Tuesday night this week instead of Monday? I suspect they would have agreed. But instead, he says all the right things suited to the moment on Monday night. And by Tuesday morning, he announces his retirement. And he pissed off a lot of people in New England along the way because... He didn't mention the Patriots at all. In that multi-page, you had to flip, not scroll. You had to flip, flip, flip to get through them all. In that multi-page statement, he ultimately said, uh, thank you to everyone connected to the Buccaneers and didn't mention the Patriots at all. And I thought, like, maybe he's going to do a one-day contract with the Patriots. and Maybe he still will. But then he did a follow-up tweet thanking the Patriots that I think made his statement even more glaring in its omission of the Patriots. (laughs) <laughs> like this is what I envisioned for Tom Brady, right? I envisioned him right now eating a double cheeseburger, really greasy with some French fries and a shake. Going, man, this is pretty good right now. But yeah, I don't think he stayed up all night cramming, writing those eight pages like we used to do in college. I think he had this all planned out and why he picked today, who knows. But it, it, I think it became something that he realized he left the Patriots out of this statement when people started responding on social media. Hey, you f- they forgot the Patriots. Could you look at all the people he thanked? He thanked everybody. Alex Guerrero, his family, his wife, his, uh, the bu- everybody in the Bucks organization, including the staffers. I mean, it just went on and on about the Bucks, And then it was like, oh, yeah, maybe I should have mentioned the Patriots. Now, he may feel like that he did mostly did that two years ago when he first left the Patriots, and he did put out a, a real nice statement then. But when you end your career and you spent 20 of your 22 years in New England, you probably should mention something about the Patriots and give a little thanks to the Patriots and their fans before going out the door, Mike. Yeah, it really was a strange statement, and it was just a strange few days. Clearly, Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington knew what was going on. The theory, the rumor is that he recorded the final episode of the Man in the Arena documentary that no one is watching. I don't know if anybody's watching it. Do you know if anybody that's watching it? I mean, he's got to really be this. Of all all the things Tom Brady has done that have 
been incredibly successful. This thing has fallen flat. I've heard of no one who's watching it. I've seen it create no news, create no buzz. So he was going to go out with a blaze of glory at the end of Man in the Arena, and that's how they found out about it, and they went with it. And uh, kudos to them because I'm sure he's still pissed off about that and may hold a grudge for a while over it. But he didn't hold a grudge enough that he decided to come back for another year. I thought maybe he would. But he is done and (laughs) he is retired. And uh, it was knocked off of the stack of the top stories in the National Football League thanks to the historic. And we can't say it enough. This is Kurt Flood type stuff as it relates to selfless acts taken against a system that has been rigged for decades against a certain class of individuals. With Kurt Flood, it was baseball players pre-free agency. With Brian Flores, it's the black head coaches who don't get the same opportunities, and when they get the opportunities, allegedly don't get the same pay and are held to a higher standard than the white coaches. It's amazing stuff, and obviously all night long we'll be breaking it down at ProFootballTalk.com. We'll come back with a few final thoughts on one of the strangest and most significant days that we've seen in a long time in the NFL. We'll be back with more PFTPM right after this. Beyond the actual merits, the relevant aspects of the Brian Flores lawsuit that will get to the question of whether to what extent black coaches have been discriminated against systematically over the past five decades, if not longer, there will be some mud that gets kicked up on folks. For example, allegation made by Brian Flores that when he interviewed for the Dolphins job in 2019... John Elway was an hour late and showed obvious signs of a hangover. Again, that's allegations. And that's, Shireen, part of what is going to happen. When you get down and wrestle over a case like this, there are going to be some tough allegations. They're going to paint an ugly picture. And, and that's why there's going to be motivation by the league, by the teams, to dig up as much dirt as they can and throw it back at Brian Flores. Stuff that they either knew about, should have known about, never would have cared about. They're going to look for anything they can to respond in kind. They will fight fire with fire. And I always told potential clients when they'd come to meet with me for the first time and if they were going to sue an employer for any reason. At some point during the conversation, I would say, think of the worst thing about you that you would... Hmm not want other people to know about or talk about think about that think about what that is don't tell me what it is just think about what it is you have to be comfortable with that coming out publicly if you do this and that's the truth whatever the worst thing is if you're a plaintiff going against the company like this the worst thing you've ever done the worst thing anyone could ever say about you is coming out in that case and he knows that, Mike, and he knew that when he filed this lawsuit and he was comfortable enough doing it. And that's what he said in his statement. He pretty much knows his career probably is over. So he's still willing ahead to go ahead and do this and help black coaches going forward, hopefully. That's his intent. Just got a statement from the Denver Broncos. It's too long to read. We will post it at PFT. Thank you for some of your time. We'll cover this all night long and tomorrow morning on PFT Live. Have a great evening. We'll talk to you soon. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. 
it probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.